You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to the Cindy Stewart Podcast, a source for encouragement as you learn to discover God's dream for your life. With a passion to help you on your journey, here is your host, Cindy Stewart. God had given me this, this message last Tuesday. No, last Wednesday. I woke up at three o'clock in the morning. It's called waiting. I woke up at three o'clock in the morning on November 4th. It would have been November 4th, Wednesday. And uh, I was just wide awake. I'm telling you, that time change is a little funky this time. It doesn't usually bother me, but I'm three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. I'm like, okay, well. Uh, so I woke up. And the first thing I did was look to see, you know, if they had finished the count because I went to bed early. And uh, of course they hadn't. It was on hold. Everything was on hold. And I said, so Lord, you know, what do you want to show me? And the two words he kept speaking to me was stand and wait. Stand and wait. And I'm like, okay. And so today we're going to talk about waiting. And he took me through a couple of... uh, different books of the Bible. I started reading through Exodus and and just kind of praying into that. It's not like it was some kind of big revelation while I was sitting there reading. I was just reading the word and letting the word uh, speak to my heart. But I just stand away and I spent a few hours reading the word and then I had to get up and get to work. But so today we're going to talk about waiting and what waiting is like. How many love waiting? Yeah. I know I don't. I know I don't. Even the red light, I'm like, how long is this one going to take? You know, you were just in a, we're just a moving people. But you know, waiting is not an inactive, passive thing. Waiting is an active uh, thing that we do with God. Because when we wait with God, there's more than just sitting or, or, you know, just checking out. It really is about engaging Because if we're waiting, we're waiting in partnership with God. We're waiting in that engagement with God. And there's things that we do while we wait. So I I just want to talk about waiting a little bit. Um, And it was funny because, uh, you know, when God tells you that we're going to wait, the first thing you think of is how long? Am I waiting five minutes? Am I waiting an hour? Am I waiting a week? Am I waiting a month? You know, how long, God? Because uh, I like to have a timeline. And not God doesn't always say it's going to be for two hours and 34 minutes and 52 seconds. You know, he usually says nothing. <laughs> what he usually says is wait. How long? Silence. Silence. So I want to talk about waiting and standing um, in this season. We're going to start with 1 Samuel 30, and then we're going to go to Exodus. So 1 Samuel 30. And I just want to talk about some of the things that we have to do when we wait. And, you know, one of the main things when we're in a waiting season is keeping our eyes focused on the Lord. And that was one of the things that he was talking to me about uh, the other morning. He says, your face has to be like flint toward me. You have to be so focused and, and, uh, and fixed on who I am in the process of waiting. 
It's that laser focus in the time of waiting. But 1 Samuel 30, David is on the run from Saul, and he decides that he is going to join the enemy's camp. And he does this under the guise that if he joins in with the enemy, then he won't have to worry about Saul because Saul will not cross into the enemy territory and try to take him. So if he, if he goes into the enemy's camp, then he's free from Saul's pursuit. But what he doesn't realize, or maybe he does, but at some point he, he does come verbally out, is that he's having to lead a dual life. He's telling the enemy, I'm with you, whatever you need, I'm going to go out and attack Israel. But when he goes out, he actually attacks the enemy's outpost. Then he comes back and tells the Philistines how many people he killed from Israel, you know, who they attacked and all that kind of stuff. So he's living this dual life, this, this uh, time of just trying to be faithful to God why he's got the pretense of partnering with the enemy and that's that's hard to be dual-minded like that and the enemy gives him a whole territory called Ziglag says you can have it it can be your kingdom because what has David been promised a kingdom what does the enemy want to do give us a false fulfillment of a promise that does not equate to what God has promised us. So the enemy gave him his kingdom that all of his family could live in, that all of his men could live in, that he could be the head of, but it wasn't the full promise that God had given him. In fact, it wasn't anywhere close to the promise because it was out of timing. It was out of alignment. Um, it wasn't from God. It was from the enemy. So David's in a pickle. I mean, he's in big trouble. And the enemy comes into his little town and attacks it. Takes his wife, takes his kids takes his men's wives and kids, takes all their possession. He, they, he's, he is empty. He has nothing. And when, his, when the enemy, I mean, when his um, men realize that everything that they fought for is gone, they have decided they're going to stone David. They have decided, and this is where we're going to pick it up. And we're not going to spend a lot of time here, but I just wanted to set it up because, you know, well, let, let's just read and then we'll go from there. Let's just read it and we'll go from there. I have so much to say. Um, so I'm going to try to stay on task here because I feel like God has a message of encouragement for us, a message of hope, a message of focus for us in, in this, in the time of waiting. So he has this uh, conflict with the Amicalites and you know, they're, they're tough people anyhow. And we're going to uh, start in verse six. And it says, um, and now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved for every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. 
And then verse eight, it says, David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him. The Lord answered him and said, pursue for you will surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Verse nine says, so David went, he and his 600 men who were with him. They came to the brook of Belsor and when they stayed, um, sorry, uh, who's those stayed, wait a minute, now I can't even read. Uh, Eddie, I'm going to need some light, just the center light, please. Were those stayed who were left behind, but David pursued them and 400 men for 200 stayed behind who were so weary that they could not cross the book of Belsor. So I'm sorry. Let me just go on. And, and that actually wasn't what I was going to read. That's the reason I'm reading it going, what? Um, let me just go on and explain this. So he, so they, he takes his men and he invades where the Amalekites have taken his people. And not only does he recover, but he recovers everything. And he walks away with the plunder too. And so David realigned himself with the Lord. He had gotten out of sync with the Lord. And, you know, when there are times when there's a lot of confusion and chaos around us and there's uncertainty in front of us, it's that strengthening ourselves in the Lord, hearing from him like David did, what do I do in this strengthening? What do I do in this? Do I pursue in my waiting? Will I overtake the area, the territory you have for me? What is it you want me to do? That really is the key question we're, when we're in a waiting time. Lord, how do I actively wait? How do I actively wait? My strength is found in you. But in this act of waiting, what is it you want me to do? And he could say, I want you to pray. I want you to read the word. I want you to worship. I want you to go about your business. Just giving me all the glory as you go. Who knows what he's going to tell you specifically to do, but he has that plan for you. And it's in that pursuit of him in knowing what that plan is. And for all of us, it's different. He speaks to our specific situation, even collectively, as we come together as a body, as we come together as a nation, he speaks to our specific situation and tells us what our part is. Because as each of us do our part, just like his 600 men did their part, then they were able to overtake the enemy's plan, the enemy's route against them. Does that make sense? Uh, I love this uh, scripture uh, from Psalms 27, and I didn't give this to you, Kevin, but let me just read it to you real quick. Verses 13 and 14. It says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. We will not lose heart because we are strengthened in him. Okay, Exodus 14. 
and we're going to start in verse 10. Like I said, I'm going to try to stay on path here. So the Israelites are about to cross the Red Sea. And, um, you know, when you move into this area that you haven't been before, and we talked about that a couple weeks ago, uh, it could be nerve-wracking. When God takes you to a place you haven't gone before, it could be nerve-wracking. And sometimes you think, are you sure, Lord, that you've got this right? Are you sure this is the way I should go? Nobody's ever thought that right. <laughs> I know we all have, because the journey with the Lord is uh, high risk with a high reward. Okay, verse 10. It says, And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel, so they're about to cross the Red Sea, lifted their highs, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, why... Uh, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone? Quit telling me what God wants me to do. Quit telling me to follow you, God. Just leave me alone and let me die in Egypt. Even when Moses went to, to the leaders while they were still in Egypt, the leaders said, leave us alone. Leave us alone. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. So God has promised them to come out of Egypt and to take a land that was filled with milk and honey. He's promised them to move them out of oppression. And their first sign of resistance, they're like, just take us back. You know, it, it'd be much easier if you would just let us go back to, to building bricks with the mud and the straw. Let us go back to receiving our rations from them. Let us go back to what we know, because what we don't know is scaring us. And because who you are is not big enough to supersede the fear that is within us. That's what they were saying. They knew God, they'd been, but they'd been in captivity for 400 years. They had been indoctrinated in an Egyptian way of life while trying to cling to who God was in their life. And they're like, why did you bring us out here so we could die? Who is God to rescue us from this? And in this time of waiting, we've got to be able to trust the leadership that God has put in front of us. We've got to be able to lean in to that person that God has put around us. Oh. 
Verse 13 says, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Now, when you're afraid and someone tells you, do not be afraid, what do you say? You don't understand. That's what we say. I have every right to be afraid. You don't understand. You don't understand what I've walked through. You don't understand where I am right now. You don't understand why I'm afraid. But Moses says, don't be afraid. He says, stand still, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. We stand still and watch God move on our behalf. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. So then right then they had to decide, am I going to believe who God has called me to follow? Or am I going to turn back? Am I going to believe? But then Moses as a leader, he had to rise up too. You know, everybody's being called to that next level of I'm in. That next level, verse 15, it says, and Moses, and the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? He's like, I was the guy that showed up at the burning bush. I was the one who was headed on fire. Remember, I'm the one who said, I am. He said, I am the one who gave you a staff that overcame Pharaoh's people every single time. That's me. So why are you crying out to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. And I, so I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. Don't go. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Now, apparently they didn't remember he was the Lord when the firstborn died. God had to show them that he is the Lord. When I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen. So then Moses had to decide, am I going to follow God? Am I going to do what he says for me to do, even though I am looking at a sea? I'm looking at all these people I brought out to the wilderness, and I'm looking at the army of the enemy coming up behind me. What do I do? Do I stay or do I go? I think there's a commercial like that. Do I stay or do I go? But, you know, it may not say all that in Scripture, and he may not have even thought that. But just think about in our everyday lives, we hear from God nudging us to step forward, to go in this direction. And with every time he nudges us, there's always a decision we have to make. We have to decide, shall I stay or shall I go? We have to decide. It's a choice every single time. So they're waiting. Verse 19, and the angel of the Lord who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went 
from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all night long. Think about that, all that night. Think about that. So so the presence of God moved from in front of them to between the enemy and them. So there is, just think about this, there, there is this billow of presence that has girded up the Israelites. And the Egyptians, all they can see is this massiveness of God move in front of them. And we may not be able to see the movement of God with our natural eyes, but we know what God has told us. He goes before us. He comes behind us. He is our front. He is our back. We know that when the enemy begins to move in, the Lord moves behind us to cover us. He moves in front of us. He surrounds us. We have to remember that the Lord is always with us. Can you imagine what those Egyptians thought? So good. I want to see like real life movies of this. Maybe they'll reenact it in heaven. I always think of stuff like that. I want to see. I want to see all this kind of stuff. So, uh, so anyhow, all this is going on. Um, and this is what I love. So uh, verse 21, it says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord, so Moses was obedient. He did what the Lord said. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by the strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land. And the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on the right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them in the midst of the sea. All the Pharaoh's horses his chariots, and his horsemen. Now here comes the fun part. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of the fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of Egyptians. He troubled them. That means he caused confusion to them. He troubled them. But listen what else he did. And he took off their chariot wheels. Can you imagine them going along in this, this supernatural? It was the obedience of Moses that brought, that invited the supernatural move of God to confuse and to take the wheels off the chariots of the enemy. You know, if Moses would have never gone forward, there would have been no space for the supernatural move of God. If Moses would have never lifted his rod to divide the seeds, God wouldn't have been invited to divide the sea. I mean, think about this. I want us to get this because our obedience brings the partnership of the supernatural move of God. And when we are not obedient, we thwart God's plan You didn't think you had that much power. But when you think about, if you read through scripture and you watch the supernatural intervention of God, it was married 
with the partnership of his people. It took Moses to raise his rod in order for God to divide the sea. Because if you're frozen, if you're paralyzed from God's instruction, then there's no way to move forward in what he's called for his people, right? Like I said, everybody, when God gives instruction, everybody has a choice. Do I partner with the instruction? It's, it's, it's as much about the obedience and the faith and the trust and what God's called you to do as it is about the sovereignty, the movement, the supernatural, what it's going to take to cause that to happen. And in this, we see it's like day and night. It's very, very clear. But there are times when it isn't clear. When, when we don't realize that God has moved on our behalf through his angelic, through his supernatural touch, through his whatever it is, until we look back and realize that there was an intervention by God that enabled the other to happen. So that faith and obedience invites the promise of God to be fulfilled. You know, we know that if Israel would have turned back, if Moses would have said, never mind, God, I decided this is not for me, that water would not have parted because they wouldn't have had anybody to cross it. Right? We wouldn't see that God is pulling the wheels off the chariots. So they are fumbling and falling, and they're not nearly... They're being slowed down. Hmm. God is good. Verse 25, he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove uh, them with difficulty. I bet it is. You know, when the wheel comes off your tire in your car, it's like <laughs> just scrapes along the bottom. Um, and the Egyptians said, let us flee flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. So they're, they're wanting to turn around and run, but not so quickly. Verse 26, then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea and the, uh, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians and on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea, and the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the army of the Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. But the Lord of Israel, uh, but the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea. And the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. You know, we have to make room for God to move on our behalf. And in this waiting period, 
you know, even as, as they're trying to get to the other side, away from the Egyptians, the waiting period requires that strengthening of the Lord. It requires obedience to the Lord. It requires faith to step out. It requires following the leader that God has put before you. It requires agreeing with God for the perfect timing of what he's going to have occur. And we're going to look at one other scripture before we go. And it's Exodus 23. And when I read this the other day, I was like, okay, God. And we're going to start in verse 20. You know, um, yes, let's read. I'm so excited. <laughs> okay. Verse 20, Exodus 23. It's, it says, behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I've prepared for you which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and I will be an adversary to your adversaries. I mean, think about what the Lord just said in this. He said, I need you to obey. I need for you to follow. I need for you to do what I'm doing. Now, think about this. We think that that's all about us. And it is because we are the people of God and we are called and et cetera, et cetera. But this is about him. Because when we align with him, when we obey his word, when we choose him to be obedient to, then then we are aligned with his perfect will. So any enemy that comes against us is his enemy because we're aligned with him. Any adversary that comes against us it is his adversary because we've aligned ourselves with God. So we're not saying, oh, this person's my enemy, God. I want you to be an enemy to him too. That's not what that word is saying. That word is saying it is if you have aligned with my heart and you are obeying my voice and you are doing what I've called you to do, then what is coming against you is actually coming against me, is actually coming against the Lord. Does that make sense? Okay, I want us to get that. I want us to make sure we understand that in our oneness with God. And that's what this is. This is all about oneness. You know, Jesus says in, in John 17, he says, Father, I am in you, you are in me, and they are in us. It's all about oneness. The spirit of the living God lives in us. It's all about oneness. So when we're at one with God, then whatever's not at one with God is an enemy to God, which makes it an enemy to us. But anything that is an enemy to God, Lord, have mercy on those who choose to be an enemy of God. Because we know that God will not be defeated. We know that he will not lose. We know that his perfect time will not be thwarted. We know that he will move on our behalf. We know that. Because that is actually what his word says. 
And this is what we have to believe. We have to believe the word in our time of waiting. Okay, let's read a little bit more and then we're going to wrap up. Um, uh, verse 23, it says, For my angel will go before you and bring you into the Amorites, the Hittites, the Pezzarites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Jebusites. So all those sites, people, are in our way. But God says, I will cut them off. And if you study out each one of those enemies, each of them carry a certain anointing that goes against God. And we, we don't have time to go into all that. Maybe we'll do that one day. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their works. But you shall utterly overthrow them. We are people of God that are called to utterly overthrow whatever the enemy has set forth against us. That's who we are. And what may look like in the natural that we're not able, just like with the Red Sea, God is able. And when we're obedient, we partner with him, we follow the lead, then we will win. There will be victory in that. Amen. Somebody agree with me on that. I mean, it's true. And whether you believe me or not, it's still in the word of God. It's still in the word of God. We, we have to believe the word. We have to believe what God says. You know, it says in that second Chronicles 2020, it says, believe the Lord. It says, believing. We've seen enough demonstration of God, just like the Israelites did, to believe and to fear the Lord. Okay. Yes. Verse 27, it says, I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion among the people to whom you have come, and I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. If their back is turned to us, that means they're heading in the other direction. That means that they have no longer chosen to be our enemy because God has gone before us. And when they saw the presence and power of God against them, it causes them to flee. It causes them to flee. Now I'm going to skip down to verse 29. It says, and he's talking about the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Hittites, all the Heights people. And it says, I will not drive them out before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field become too numerous for you. And this is where I want to talk a little bit about the perfect timing of God. It says, little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. And what this is saying, and it goes on to tell what the land's going to look like. But what this is saying is, I'm not going to put you in a position where you are going to be overwhelmed by where you are. He's telling them, I'm not going to give you a territory overnight because you're not prepared to handle the fullness of the territory. What I'm going to do is I'm going to drive them out slowly and position you in their place so that when you've taken the whole land, you're fully equipped to be able to nourish the land, take care of the animals on it, build what I've called you to build. So God is not going to take you from A to Z overnight if he hasn't prepared you for the Z. 
He's saying, little by little, I'm going to take you through this journey. And this journey is going to take some growing. It's going to take some waiting. It's going to take some trusting. It's going to take some following. Little by little, because I have a bigger plan for you. And my plan isn't a 24-hour plan. It's a plan so that you grow and that you are built and you are with the right people in order to take the territory that I have for you. And as you take those pieces of territory, those territories will thrive because you're in the place you need to be in order to make those thrive. You're fully aligned with me. So you are thriving in everything that you overtake. The enemy's going to turn his back from you and start heading in the other direction. And you will take what I have promised you. So don't get discouraged if the promise that God has given you has not fully manifested. Because God is preparing you to fully take what he has promised you. And if you look back on your lives, and we're all different ages, but just think about that. If you look back on your life and think about a promise that God may have given you 20 years ago, and if you would have gotten it on the first day that he promised you, would you really been prepared to do what he wanted you to do instead of when he has fulfilled it in this time? So so I want us to know that God is a fulfiller of every promise. And he is positioning us little by little to take the land that he has promised us, to take the territory that he has given us. And our call is to be strong, courage, to be faithful to our God, to surround ourselves with other people to go after what God has promised us, to go after the territory God has promised us. Our call is to be obedient to what he has put in our hearts. Even if it's scary, even if we don't know the answer, because right now we don't know the answer to tomorrow. We just don't know. But what we know is God knows and we know God and we've got an inside track to what's going to happen because the God who has positioned everything, is faithful to us. So everything we need, we have according to his promises, according to his word. So we don't have to worry. We do not have to be anxious. We do not have to be in chaos and confusion. There is no chaos and confusion. There's not to the people of God because God is the God of clarity. He is the God of understanding. He is the God who will tell us exactly what we need to know when we need to know it. So uh, someone posted, uh, I forget who it was. I think it may be James Call. He said, God's not up in heaven wringing his hands. So stop it. He is not. God is up in heaven positioning everything for his people, for his good, and for his glory. Amen? Okay, that's it. That's it today. Thank you so much, guys. You know, I want us to be encouraged. If you guys will stand, we're going to pray because I want us to be encouraged because God is on the throne and he is exalted and he is glorious and he is holy and he is full of life and he is full of wonder. God, we just, we honor you. 
You are glorious, God. We praise you. We, we thank you that you are holy. We thank you that what looks impossible to us is not a second thought to you. We lean into your clarity, into your peace. We, we cancel all thoughts of chaos and, and confusion around us. Lord, we, just like Hezekiah, he turned his face like flint, like stone. Our face is like stone that nothing can penetrate it but you, Lord. Your word, your power, your glory, our faces are towards you. And we can only see you. And everything around us cannot affect what you have planned for us. So, Lord, we come into agreement with your plan. And, Lord, we thank you that we stand on the word and we wait. And that our waiting is an active response to what you're calling us to do. So, Lord, we trust you. We thank you. We look forward with anticipation. That's part of what wait means. It means anticipation, expectation of what you're going to do. So we wait with great expectation of what you want to do, Lord. And we know it's going to be good. Because, God, you are good. You are good. Naaman says, you are good, God. And we agree with your word that says you are a good God. So we just thank you and bless you and honor you. And really, we celebrate you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged. If you would like more content like this, please visit cindy-stewart.com. We'll see you next time.